0: For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Cooperative. You know, we're in Milwaukee this morning at the... Up-and-Coming Food Cooperative uh, Conference. And we have two people with us this morning. We have Deb Trocher from the Indiana Cooperative Development Center and Stuart Reed from the Food Cooperative Initiative. Good morning, everybody.
1: Morning, Vernon. Morning.
0: So let's start with you, Deb. What What is the purpose of the conference, this Up-and-Coming Food Conference?
1: Well, the whole point in the conference is to make sure that we provide an opportunity for people who are starting food co-ops to come together to get professional workshops as well as peer workshops, opportunities for networking in an an environment that's uh, full of enthusiasm and excitement in Milwaukee.
0: Fantastic. So how did it get started?
1: That's an interesting story. Uh, About 10 years ago, I uh, was working with a couple of startups, and George Huntington, who was the general manager at Blooming Foods at the time, was also working with some startups, so we decided to partner to put together a conference. So that first conference in Bloomington about 10 years ago had 35 people, and it was originally intended to be just a little regional conference, and it has now grown to be a national conference in scope with attendees from Alaska, from the West Coast, the East Coast, the Midwest, and in the South. So we've got people coming from all over the country to Milwaukee today,
0: well, for the weekend. So you started with 35 people. 35 people. How many do you have this this conference?
1: This year we'll have about 250.
0: Fantastic. That's like eight times growth. Yeah. Okay.
1: It's been really fun, really exciting to see the growth.
0: And so these are people starting food co ops Correct. Okay. And Stuart, would you, from the Food Cooperative Initiative, what is a food co op?
2: A food co op. That's a great question. Uh, well, for us, we're talking about uh, community owned grocery stores that uh, were, um, have retail space. Uh, there's other kinds of food co ops that may be more like buying clubs, but we work with the ones that want to start retail storefronts. So that, that's our definition.
0: Okay. Uh, who owns it, the food co-op? It's the
2: uh, the members of the co-op or the members of the community that use the co-op are the owners. They, they invest a relatively small amount of, ranging from seventy-five to three hundred dollars typically as an owner's share, and that buys their personal share of the business, and they are truly a, a part owner.
0: So it is a co-op in every sense of it. It's if it's owned by the people that you that. That, use the that uses the services. is a consumer co-op.
2: Right, that's correct.
0: If it's owned by the employees, it's a worker co-op. Yes. And most food co-ops are owned by the consumers.
2: Almost all of them. Yes. There's a few. There's only a couple that are consu- uh, worker-owned, and there are a couple more that are hybrid with both consumer and worker ownership.
0: Okay. Okay. How did you get into this work?
2: Well, I got interested in food co-ops back in my college days uh, when I was shopping at one and uh, got a part-time job and that bit turned into a full-time job and turned into a career so it's just been one step after another along the way.
0: And that was a couple years ago right?
2: That was yeah more than a few. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
0: Uh, So I'm going to ask you this question right here because it's right here. Do you like what you do?
2: Oh I love it. Best job I ever had.
0: Is it the only job? <laughs> no,
2: <laughs> I've, I've had a few uh, d- different roles in, in the co-op world and, and outside of it, for that matter. And I keep coming back to co-ops, and have spent most of my working life there. And but helping other people start new food co-ops is, is a real joy.
0: Okay, so Deb, you guys, you're in Indiana. You're Indiana Corporate Development Center, but you're up here in Milwaukee. Why is that? Why?
1: Good question. Well, a couple reasons. Um, the space that we had in Bloomington, we outgrew. So we were looking for a larger space. And we also need a very strong local food co-op, co-op as a host. And at the time, Bloomington was going through some changes with new staff, new general manager, all kinds of issues. So we were looking for a location that had a strong local food co-op, had an airport in the city in which it was located, in the central part of the country to make it easy for people around the the nation to come to. And that's how we settled on Milwaukee.
0: So Uh, who's to host?
1: Outpost Natural Foods.
0: Outpost Natural Foods.
1: And they are an absolutely awesome food co-op. They've been extremely generous with their time, with their talent. This year we have 41 staffers and board members from Outpost who will be volunteering at the conference. So what do they do? Uh, room monitors. So they make sure if you know, anything goes wrong in the room, they can help troubleshoot that. They also help with registration. We're doing a tour of the Sherman Phoenix facility here in Milwaukee, and the general manager is leading that tour. They do a lot of behind-the-scenes things with some of the printing, coordinating the whole conference. So they do a variety of things. They're indispensable.
0: Well, if we have time, I want to come back and talk about that tour. So they're doing a lot of the work. What is the Food Co-op Initiative? Stuart, can you tell us what that is?
2: Well, the organization itself is a nonprofit that was set up to help communities start co-ops so that they wouldn't have to try to figure everything out on their own. There would be a source for guidance, and uh, we publish resources and do training events like this one. Uh, Everything we can think of that will help people to more successfully open new food co-ops is basically our mission.
0: Why is there a need, or why do people want to start food co-ops?
2: There's a lot of reasons. Increasingly, we're seeing it as a a need in communities that are underserved. Uh, Right now, we're getting a lot of inquiries from urban communities, uh, often communities of color, where mainstream grocery stores may have left the community, uh or there's a lot of party stores and and small outlets at high prices and poor food selection, but not a good full service grocery store. So there's a lot of, that's one reason why people would, would look for a co op. The same kind of thing is happening in, in smaller rural communities, ironically, um the big grocery stores are leaving, people are retiring and to save that little community store, which is a real hub of community activity often, cooperative solutions is one of the ways that people seek to do that. And then we continue to get inquiries and interest in college communities and everything in between where maybe there's just a real interest in the co-op model as well as natural food or specific product mix that a co-op might offer.
0: So in the food co-op, the consumer who owns it can say what's on that shelf?
2: Yeah, through a board of directors. I mean, it's not like they take a vote of the membership to decide what's going to be stocked, but uh, it's the will of the membership as expressed through the board they elect, sets policy, determines what is going to be done in terms of products and services, and then they empower a general manager and, and staff to actually make that happen. Not all co-ops are natural food by any means. There's uh, quite a few that are mixed inventories or or more traditional inventory of uh, the products you'd see in other supermarkets.
0: Okay. So these food co-ops will get started. And I've talked to, before the food co-op started in Jackson, Mississippi, and in Greensboro, North Carolina, that started. And we've also had on the show uh, somebody from Flint, Michigan, that's starting one, and Detroit, that's starting one. So it does seem to be this activity in brown and black communities. Yes. And in D.C., there's one starting in southeast uh, D.C.,
2: Hispanic co-op starting in the Den- in a Denver neighborhood right now as well.
0: So it's food deserts is what they're called. That's the term I was yeah. looking
2: for. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so low income, low access is what the USDA calls it, and uh, food desert is the common term I think that most people use, although I've occasionally heard people react to that poorly. Uh, it's not that it's a desert. There is food. It's more of a f- uh, food swamp. You've got food but it isn't good food
0: not nutritional food right. you can get soda pops and
2: and beer and cigarettes, beer and cigarettes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay and perhaps some fast food but yeah. not green yeah.
2: all and, the chips you could eat
0: all the chips right so deb this conference what are the, some of the kinds of things that you are, will be talking about this conference
1: okay so we have six tracks so we have a track for like board and organizing for case studies the case study track is a really popular track cuz that's a peer track so we invite co-ops who are in the startup process to come talk about their story and to talk about a specific area so maybe it's how they grow their, how they grew their membership or maybe it's their capital campaign and the the people who are here really love that peer interaction because it helps them see, hey, they're going through something that we're going through, and maybe there's some lessons to be learned here. We also have a track that we're really um, excited about. We started this about four or five years ago. We were very intentional in really trying to increase the diversity of the people who come to the conference. So we now have a track that we call People of Color Track. All the speakers, as much as we can, we try to have Brown and black people talk. They're the speakers in that track. Um, And they're really geared towards um, perhaps maybe there's a different twist on an issue in a brown or black community. Um, So we feel like that.
0: We'll be right back. Um, We're going to take our first break, but we'll be right back. Washington, D.C.'s News Talk, 1450 AM WOM at 95.9 FM. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. The program is Everything Cooperative. And we're in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with Deb Trocha, who is the Executive Director of Indiana Cooperative Development Center, and Mr. Stuart Reed, who is the Executive Director of the Food Cooperative Initiative. And we're talking about the up-and-coming food co-op, which are people around the U.S. that are looking to start food co-ops. And the National Co-op Bank sponsors this program, NCB's mission, is to support and be an advocate for Americans' cooperatives and their members, especially in low-income communities, by providing innovative financial and related services. And so before we took the break, Deb was talking to us about the co-op and some of the tracks, and she had just told us about the co-ops and people of color. And we talked about the case studies track. Can you continue to tell us, Deb, about what goes on here?
1: Yes. One thing that we're really excited about this year is we have identified about 12 workshops that will be simultaneously translated into Spanish. Um, NCB helped us with the funding to make that happen. We know that there's beginning to be an increase in Latino communities uh, starting food co-ops, and we... Had some feedback from the conference last year that they really would like to have some sessions that were translated into Spanish, and we really do try to listen to our attendees. So this year, we're trying that out. We know it's going to take some time to build up the audience to continue to diversify our attendees, but um, we're really excited to be able to offer that translation service this year.
0: So 12 of your classes will be translated. Yes. How many
1: classes are you having on show? 50-plus We have three this afternoon, and then over the course of Friday and Saturday, another 50.
0: So 53.
1: It's jam-packed.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Something for everyone.
0: (laughs) So that's 22, 23% of them are going to be translated into Spanish. Mm -hmm. And you're looking to grow that and looking to grow the number of Spanish-speaking people that come here.
1: Yes. That's our hope, our goal. Fantastic.
0: So I'm looking at, you've got board organizing is a track, business development, operations, and outreach, ownership and outreach. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about what you have going on in those tracks?
1: Each of those tracks will have workshops that relate to those particular topics, like in board organizing. Help me out here, Stuart, because I don't have my agenda in front of me. There will be topics specifically geared towards boards and early organizing efforts in the the open track. Those will be workshops geared towards stores who are already open or who are on the verge of opening. So they're a little bit farther along in that the startup phase. And yep,
2: working with a general manager, making sure that things happen in the store after it opens to make it successful.
1: Okay, and that transition from. The steering committee board to a board that has an open store, that's a huge hurdle. And it really takes some dedication to make that transition. I'm sure Stuart has some, Can tell (laughs) us some stories about how that works or doesn't work. (laughs) I don't think you want to take the time
2: for that right now. I'm not
0: sure. That's where it gets to be interesting. Okay. And the ownership.
1: I'm talking about how you grow ownership. So how would you do membership drives? Uh, How do you really get out into the community and let people know that you're starting a co-op? How do you continue to keep the community engaged and involved in order to grow the the member-owner base for the co-op?
0: I saw one title that, that interests I was very curious about. On your board and organizing, you have one that's called Path to Effective Governance. Mm-hmm. Path to effective governance. What is that about? What's that content? That
2: sounds exciting. Yeah, I'm glad people find governance exciting. <laughs> uh, I do, but maybe most don't. Yeah, but I right. do. No, it's uh, the, since a board of directors is responsible for meeting the owners, understanding the owners' needs, and directing the, the staff of the co-op. That's that focus point right there of governance has to be effective. They have to. Here, well, they have to interpret that and they have to be able to manage a general manager way that allows the manager to to meet those needs that have been expressed without overly constricting his or her ability to be innovative and creative in doing it. So a board that started out trying to get a store open very hands-on, trying to make sure that they could raise the money and build the ownership to a level that could support a store, has to switch over into being hands-off and just overseeing and guiding a general manager, but not doing the day-to-day work. And that, that transition sounds, that's it could be that's difficult. That's the transition she was referring right. to that can be very difficult, as well as you've got two different kinds of effectiveness, the organizing time requires a different skill set and a different attitude, I think, than after you open and, and you're just overseeing management and, and uh, maintaining the integrity of the store going forward.
0: It sounds like you almost need two different boards.
2: You, you need a lot of training so that the board is prepared for that. That's that's what this workshop is addressing, That that be aware you are going to have a changing role here and be ready for it. And a lot of boards do have some pretty significant turnover after a co-op opens. The people that were involved in starting the co-op will find that they're no longer as engaged, that the things have changed from what they were really excited about. And it's perfectly appropriate for the board to have some transition at that stage and to move into a a long-term relationship with uh, the ownership and the general manager that ensures its success.
0: Well, in my day job, I am a property manager yeah. so I'm in that role of the general manager and I have learned that the co-op runs better housing co-op food co-op if there's good governance
2: absolutely and they
0: know that role of not micromanaging mm-hmm. but guiding and governing and holding me accountable and also evaluating to right. see how well are you doing but that kind of a more of a management role as opposed to a doing role so that's why it's important to me, this Absolutely. governance.
2: And with a, a newly opened co-op, it's very vulnerable. Uh, cash flow is almost always tight. If tight it, or negative? <laughs> it, well, it's usually negative the first year, uh, yeah. and that has to be planned for, but it's not uncommon. But if the board isn't keeping an eye on the finances and the general manager's ability to, to manage that early vulnerable stage, uh, things can go wrong quickly, so uh, it's... Uh, It's really an important role.
0: So what is business development like? What is that one?
1: A lot of that is going to be where we do uh, talking about working with your lenders, uh, which is, as Stuart just mentioned, cash flow is important. It's critical that you develop a good relationship with your lender. Um, You don't want to wait till the last minute to approach a bank and try to get funding for your startup. So having bringing that lending institution along as you're developing the co-op is a wise move. Uh, I'm not sure that all of them do that, but it, it's it's in their best interest if they do.
0: The, the food co-op's best interest is to talk to that lender early on. Yes. And say the first year, second year, whatever, we're going to have a negative cash flow, and we want you to stay with us on this, and it will turn around.
2: Treating lenders as partners in the development, not as, you know, this necessary evil that you have to approach somebody else to ask for money. Uh, It's really uh, the relationship part of it is very important.
0: And I would expect that somebody like NCB would make a great partner in that they are there to help co-ops and help communities, particularly talk about low-income communities, brown or black communities, where there are food, deserts, or low-income, low-access. yes so that they that NCB could be a great partner in something like this.
2: Yeah, there are NCB and and a couple of other co-op lenders out there that uh, really understand what co-ops are trying to accomplish and and the business model being a little different from most. Uh, it's important that they understand how that works and so NCB is a great example of a, an organization that really does get it.
0: Okay, so NCB, what are a couple other you said a couple other
2: Lenders. Lenders. There's a couple of other cooperative loan funds. Shared Capital, based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, works with co-ops around the country. LEAF. Uh, uh, what's,
0: what's their uh, executive director's name? Do you know? Christina.
2: Yeah, it's Christina Jennings.
0: She's been on the show. She's, yeah. She's, yeah.
2: The local enterprise, enterprise Initiative? assistance Since fund, LEAF, as they're more commonly called, and Gerardo Espinoza is their executive director. There's a fund in New the New
1: England Co op Fund, I believe it's called. Right. They're regional. Mm-hmm. So they only lend in the Northeast. The other two, Share Capital and Leaf, are national lenders. Right. As yes. is NCB. So they
2: typically will take a second position, uh, not, not the primary lending role, but because they work with co ops. Almost exclusively, they really understand their needs and could be a great partner with another lender to help them understand the risks and the business model.
0: So one of the things that makes the co-op model different is owned by all of these different people. And so normally a bank would want an individual with assets to sign the loan docs.
2: Loan guarantees are always an issue.
0: Yeah, so you need somebody to understand a co-op that that isn't there. So we're going to take our second break, and then we'll be right back. Washington, D.C.'s News Talk, 1450 AM, W.O.N. 95.9, 95.9 FM. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oakes. And I'm in Milwaukee, Wisconsin today with Deb Trocha, who's the Executive Director of Indiana Cooperative Development Center, and Stuart Reed, who's the Executive Director of the Food Cooperative Initiative. And we're talking about the conference that's starting tomorrow morning. Well, really, they have three classes this afternoon. Uh, that's pre-conference classes. And then it starts tomorrow with about 50 classes tomorrow and Saturday. It's up and coming are food co-ops that are getting started, and they're getting started all over the U.S. and Alaska, and they have about 250 people today. When they started this 10 years ago, there was only 35. So it's been growing, and the interest is there. And we're also talking about in black and brown communities like D.C., Michigan, Flint, uh, Jackson, Mississippi, all throughout North Carolina, Greensboro, so all throughout the U.S., so that brings up the question, Stuart, of how many food co-ops or where are food co-ops in the U.S.? Is this all in the East Coast, and the North, South? Where's the food co
2: Well, food co-ops are spread across the country, uh, and they pretty much follow where the, the population centers are. I mean, it's pretty evenly distributed, although there are some areas like uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, that have historically had strong co-op development where there are more co-ops. Uh, Twin Cities of Minneapolis-St. Paul, for example, have about fourteen storefronts, and some of those are quite large co-ops. There's only one or two states in the whole country where I don't think there's a, an existing food co-op there, so they're well well distributed. And uh, best estimates are there's probably around three hundred and three hundred and fifty uh, open f- retail food co-ops in the United States.
0: So, there's about three hundred and fifty. Food co-ops that is open. But I've always thought, I've heard somebody even on the program say that co-ops are for hippies that eat tofu. <laughs> so.
2: Well, a lot of the co-ops that began in this most recent wave of interest, uh, which started a little over 40 years ago, almost 50 now, I guess, uh, were started by... Uh, Alternative communities.
0: Alternative communities.
2: All right. People that were looking for alternatives to what was available in the food system, Uh, natural foods, unprocessed foods. Uh, At the earliest years, it wasn't even organic so much because there was pretty limited availability. But uh, they were buying in bulk and distributing amongst themselves and started storefronts from there. So that is sort of the origins in this wave. The previous wave of co-op development was more uh, around the Depression era, and those are a few of those stores still survive. Those were conventional supermarkets. They just had community ownership as the differentiation, and uh, most of those have closed in, in the decades since. But uh, you know, there's a handful that are still out there and still doing business. And there, we have new co-ops opening now that are also looking at being more like a conventional supermarket than a natural food store and the demographics are all over uh, from Sierra and uh, Vista where it's a, it's a military base and military folks that started the co-op Uh, not at all a hippie community Mm -hmm. and uh, to to inner city neighborhoods and uh, small rural communities that just want to have a place where people can have a cup of coffee in the morning and get their necessities without driving 40 miles so it's the the basic concept is that the co-op is there to meet the needs of the people that own it and use it and whatever those needs are it's a possible option for a co-op to do that
0: so the co-op meets the needs of the community, right. the people that are that's, on that's it. That's core. Okay. That's why I like co-ops. That's one of the reasons. Yeah. And then if we had time, we could get into the values and the principles, which is another reason I like co-ops. Absolutely. Uh, I like the ethical values of honesty, openness, social responsibility, and caring for one another. That, yeah. that just sticks right out to me.
2: Well, there's, it's a grocery store that where the the, you're not trying to make sure that the investors who may not even know of the existence of the store specifically are, 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 the are putting money in their pockets. Yeah. It's whatever the store decides to do is to it has to meet the needs of the community uh, because that's where the money stays, and it isn't benefiting anybody just for the sake of the fact that they invested a lot of money in it. So
0: and really the money important. stays in the community.
2: It stays in the community it makes a big difference.
0: And I hear it maybe turns five to eight times in the community, which also helps the community even more. It just helps the community. They perhaps come out of being a low-income community. Mm
2: -hmm. It can make a big difference in a neighborhood over time. I've seen dramatic changes uh, as the co-op has been around for a while and the businesses around it change. Uh, It helps bring traffic into the neighborhood because people come to grocery stores regularly. It helps bring stability, and it, it helps build social awareness, I think, as well, because the co-op has outreach programs because it does do things in the community. It's not just there to sell groceries.
0: So I call that social wealth. Right. Okay. To create social wealth and financial wealth. So you've just talked about some of the benefits of, of food co-ops, and somebody mentioned earlier, either you or Deb, that the food co op a lot of times is it, a hub, the center for the community that people come and have their coffee and they talk, or they may have meetings in that food co-op. Right. Okay. So is this the reason that folks choose food co-ops, or
2: everything you just talked about? It's one of the reasons, yeah. I think there's there's a multitude. Uh, for some people, it's strictly, I like what you're selling here. I like the fact that you're buying from local farmers and local producers and that I can get help support those people and get really fresh products. For others, it's the political system, the the business model is is a motivating factor for some it's just hey it's a convenient local grocery store <laughs> okay. they may not even know the re- the business model is there it's it's invisible in the background
0: okay how do how do these small co-ops or i assume small i I do know there was a huge one in new york a very large sure. co-op in new york but how do they compete against the walmarts and safeways and costco and all of those things Piggly Wiggly, thought
2: I <laughs> you Well, know, that's a great question, and, and you know, I, I don't like to think of it as a direct competition. I think, you know, while we're both selling groceries, that's the common denominator. There's a very, there's not a lot more that is common between what a Walmart does and the food co-op. Yeah, price-wise, it can be hard because the co-op is trying to be fair to a lot of people. It wants to pay its employees well. It wants to pay the farmers well so that they can continue working on the farm and producing this great local food. Uh, it wants to offer good prices. And it's how do you balance all of those mm-hmm. stakeholders' needs. And the people at Sport Co-ops recognize that, and, and sometimes they do pay a little more for some things. So and I don't want to get the impression that co-ops are more expensive. Typically, a larger co-op can be competitive with most stores. Not every item all the time, but if you do, compared your shopping basket from one store with another uh, competi- competing store in the market, you're going to come out pretty well. And we don't always have that perception in the marketplace. So, uh, but it is hard for small independents to be price competitive, especially when they're trying to meet these other needs.
0: Meet the need of paying the employee a fair wage. Yeah.
2: Right. Give them opportunities to learn in the job, to grow in the job. Uh, we don't have centralized administrative offices in another state that's taking care of business. The jobs in the co-op are almost all right there in that one community, and there's opportunities for people to learn and grow uh, as well as just to be paid fairly for what they're doing.
0: And then how you pay the farmer the fair price. Right so that they can keep farming and stay on the farm.
2: Yeah, so you've got a little bit higher labor cost, you've got a little bit higher cost for the goods you're buying, and you want to have the lowest price in town in addition. It's pretty hard to make that work. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how well co-ops actually do keep the prices uh, at competitive levels uh, with those constraints.
0: And the consumer, the one that owns the co-op, and others that come in, because you don't have to be an owner to shop at a food co-op.
2: Generally not,
0: right. So... That makes me think there are some cases you do, but okay.
2: (laughs) There's a very, very, very limited number of co-ops that have a required ownership to shop in them.
0: Okay. So getting those prices down may be difficult, except that people that own it know that the quality is there. So you're getting good quality on your
2: table. Trust is a huge issue in the food system right now. And the fact that co-ops are trusted more than other kinds of businesses is is a real advantage, and they've earned that trust. I mean, the people I've had people actually say, I like to shop the co-op because I don't have to bother to read the labels. Well, I don't encourage that perspective, mind you, but <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> they, they assume that the co-op is, is going to be reliable in putting the kinds of products on the shelf that they've said they're going to sell.
0: And speaking of reading the labels, I understand that co-ops were one of the ones that started that. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, that's my understanding as well, although that actually goes before my time. The co-op label was uh, created, I don't know when it first appeared, but there's co-op label products back from the 20s and 30s that uh, people collect the old containers, in fact, as Mm -hmm. a hobby. But uh, they started Truth in Labeling as part of the co-op model for the products that they private labeled with co-op.
0: So that the members then said, I want to know what's in this. Right. And they tell their...
2: It would be there And before it was required that you list all the ingredients, for example, and, and contents, and uh, the co-ops were doing that.
0: Great. So there's a lot of great reasons why a food co-op. Um, now I need to know, if I wanted to start a food
2: co-op, <laughs> what would I do? Give me a call, and I'll walk you through it. <laughs> <laughs> you get a group of people in your community together that have time energy and excitement about the idea and that can reach out and engage other members of the community because it's a community-based organization you have to really start there getting the community behind the idea identify what that need is that the co-op is going to solve for you why do we need a co-op in this community if you can answer that question well then you can get people involved
0: but do you have anything on a Paid or oh. something that I could say, okay, here's my checklist of what I've got to do to, to do this.
2: Uh, we've got so much on our website in our resource library that you could keep you awake at night for months.
0: So okay. tell us what, tell the folks out there what's your website so they can make one of those. Okay, out.
2: we're at FCI, which is the initials for our organization, Food Co op Initiative, FCI.coop.
0: Oh, that's easy. Okay. That's easy.
2: And if you go to the home homepage you'll see a link to our, both our guide to starting a co-op and to our broader resource library where we have hundreds of other documents and guidebooks and tools.
0: Okay. So I'm going to go back to Deb now. Indiana Cooperative Development Center. Mm-hmm. Right. Got it. Got it. So you all develop more than food co-ops, I assume. Right. What are some other kinds of co-ops that you all helped develop?
1: So it could be a food hub, which is a little different than a food co-op. It could be a housing co-op. It could be a child care co-op. It could be a worker co-op. It could be an ag co-op. Basically, you come up with an idea. You can create it as a cooperative. So... The food co-op conference kind of grew out of a a need, so we've kind of spent a lot of time on that. But we tend to work with just about any kind of co-op that walks through the door. We don't tell anybody no. If we don't have the capacity in-house to provide assistance, then it's my job to find them the resources to help them start whatever kind of co-op they want to start.
0: Okay. So I am wanting to start a band a band, a band, mm-hmm. and I want to make my band into a co-op. Can Good do you that. We do that. Absolutely, you can do that. I don't
2: think I've ever heard of it. But I, I haven't it. either,
1: <laughs> but I will tell you that one of my counterparts in Minnesota, Kevin Edberg, um, they create or he helps create a um, movie theater co-op. So it's it's a community-owned movie theater. The people who owned it. We ready to retire didn 't want to do it anymore, so the community came together to keep that resource in the community, so it didn 't leave so okay. it kept you know money there, kept people there, kept that resource there instead of instead of that money bleeding out of the community so like I said, almost any idea you could come up with there is a cooperative solution for it in wow. at least in my world
0: okay i <laughs> I got your word. i mean I, I was half joking when I talked about this band because i don't play any kind of instrument <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to hear me think. so we're going to take our break and then we'll be right back celebrating blues. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and we're talking about the up-and-coming food cooperative. And right before we took our final break, we were talking to Deb Trocher about the kinds of co-ops that Indiana Cooperative Development Center sees. And she has it in her world that if you want to start any kind of business, it can be a cooperative. Absolutely. Okay. And so the two major types of co-ops are uh, consumer co-ops, which we talked about, most food co-ops are that. It's owned by the people that use the products or services. Housing co-ops is another example. Credit unions is another example of those types. And in Madison, Wisconsin, there's a health clinic that's owned by the mm-hmm. patients. It's a consumer cooperative. And you can have worker co-ops. in any kind of business you want to talk about. It, the workers, the employees own it. It's a worker cooperative. And then you have the purchasing cooperative and the marketing co-ops. And I normally think about them around farmers. Farmers have created purchasing co-ops. They come together and they create a business where they buy their seed and their fertilizer and whatever they need, gasoline, even equipment. And they can even share that equipment. And then those farmers would start a marketing cooperative to sell their goods. And when you think about uh, Ocean Spray or Cabot Creamery, those are different marketing co-ops where the farmers come together and they sell their goods to this co-op or business that they own. Right. And they can, therefore, make some money there, but they can also make sure their, their quality is good. And they can get their product in the market they couldn't do on their own. Mm-hmm. Artists are beginning to do these two things, too. They're creating purchasing co-ops and marketing co-ops. Uh, there's one in Pittsburgh called Ujamaa that is a, a group of black women mainly, women of color, they do beads, and they sew, and they also buy from other folks, and they they have a storefront where they market it. So they can come together and produce things together, and also paintings and so forth. So it's beginning to work. I heard that there was a artist where there was different entertainers that got together, and they started creating income, because for entertainers, their income, are either feast or famine. Right. And so... If Deb had her band, she might make some money this month, and my band might make some money next month, and we come together and put that into the co-op, and then we can share out, and we can have money each month. I find it fascinating. I want to get more on that. So Deb, any kind of business that you want to talk about in the Indiana world or the area you're working in?
1: Well, you you were talking about purchasing co-ops, and it's not just in the ag field, but for instance, um, Indiana has an office supply co-op, independent stationers. So these are independently owned office supply stores who are trying to compete in the world of Staples and Amazon. So coming together as independent owners under the co-op banner, they're able to buy in quantity, so they get quantity discounts, and then they market themselves under yeah. that banner as well. Ace Hardware would be another. Carpet One is part of a much larger cooperative of purchasing co-ops. So anytime you have small independently owned stores who are having a hard time competing on their own, if they would come together as a cooperative, then they have a much better time of um, competing in a very crowded world. Say for instance, small independent bookstores have a really hard time. Even the bigger bookstores like Barnes and Noble are having a hard time competing against the Amazons of the world. So if those small independent bookstores came together, then they could order in larger quantities, then they can be a bit more price competitive. Mm-hmm. They can also do some marketing together. So it really helps to stabilize the playing field Right. Um, when you have such intense competition in a particular market segment.
2: The food co-ops have their own version of that. In the National Co-op Grocers, which is a membership organization, contracts with suppliers, including United Natural Foods, for uh, all of their members. So they are, in essence, buying as a group and getting better pricing. And uh, they also provide other services. So they they think more or less a shared services co-op as well as a purchasing co-op.
0: So this sounds like, at least I have it, that co-ops are perhaps the best form of business for communities to solve their problems.
2: Well, we think We so. like
0: to think so. <laughs> okay. So we, we, we all agree. How do we get the knowledge out more? This is why NCB is sponsoring this program, to get knowledge out about it. But how can we get more and more information about co-ops and promote co-ops?
2: Well, I, I think the people that are using them and loving them are their best way to do that. Uh, word of mouth, uh, talking to your friends, bringing them into the store with you when you come and getting them involved in any kind of co-op business that you're involved in is a great way to spread it. I wish there were better ways and bigger ways and faster ways, and maybe there are some, but this program and any any outreach that we can do on social media is is all helpful.
1: We do a couple of things in Indiana to help promote the co-op business model. We've done this for a little bit longer than we've done the food co-op, and we call it a cooperative summit. So the idea is that we bring in co-ops from across industry sectors, To get to know each other, because even in the co-op world, you still tend to, you know, ride in your lane. Mm -hmm. So we've tried to create those relationships across industry sectors so that co-ops start doing business with each other. So that, you know, to help promote not only their own co-op, but other co-ops that they could work with. And then when I get back on Monday, we're going to be at the Indiana State House. And we've invited co-ops to come in to set up, you know, display and table so that as our legislators are coming in to work for the day, we're really trying to promote the idea about co-ops because in general, people don't know about co-ops, right? right? So we're really trying to raise the profile with our elected officials that here are constituents, they vote for you, um, they're in your districts, they are creating jobs, um, um, helping to raise the Uh, economy in in that local community. Um, So those are a couple of additional ways that we're trying to raise the profile of co-ops in Indiana.
2: And we really need to get co-ops into the school business programs at all levels. I mean, even just talking about co-ops as a business model doesn't happen in many MBA programs. You can get a
0: it didn't happen in mine.
2: Yeah. didn't happen in mine either. Um, there are some of the food co-ops that have sponsored t- teaching programs or classes, special classes that they can offer in local schools, an elementary level, high school. These are great ways if we could spread that idea and, and have that happening in more places. Very effective way to get kids interested and involved. And, of course, what goes home with the kids gets to the parents
0: so this is a best kept secret yes we all agree that it's the best yeah. motto for communities and somehow i have it that co-ops keep it to themselves they keep this to themselves and beginning to blossom out mm-hmm. to to going to the to the capital and letting people know about it but we really got to tell our stories and how do we can get that done more.
1: well it's anecdotal but in periods of tough economic times, co-ops tend to be on the rise, and depending on who you are, you may say that we're in a tough economic time, at least from a social perspective, but co-ops are something that people can do themselves. They don't have to wait for somebody from outside the community to come in and help solve an issue. They can do it right there themselves, so in that respect, it really helps empower individuals, helps grow community, empower community. So I think we're going to continue to see an uptick and a rise in the start of cooperatives in this country.
0: We're in tough times. I think for some people it's still the depression or the recession. I heard a quick joke that a recession is when your neighbor loses their job. A depression is when you lose your right. job. Mm-hmm. So there are people that have lost their job, have lost income, people that went through it through the shutdown, and and most of us are one paycheck away from homelessness. Right. I used to say three, but there were people That's on TV with one. Well,
1: I mean, look at the latest government shutdown. Yeah. You know, definitely. there were federal employees who had to go to a food pantry because they missed a paycheck. Right. And one other quick plug co ops are not just in this country, they're internationally. And the National Co-op Business Association does a lot of work in developing countries. And the co-op business model is a good way to help raise the economic prosperity of really, really, really low-income communities, especially among women. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of work in Africa, some work in South America, um, and it's really been an opportunity for people in those countries to raise their economic prosperity.
0: And I got the opportunity to go to the UN when they had in 2011. They had made 2012 oh. the year of the cooperative, mm-hmm. and I was amazed. The co-ops in China, they're in everywhere. Russia, yes. okay, mm-hmm. it's just all over. And I think of Africa and Latin America, but they're just they're all everywhere. Over. Yeah, and in some countries they flourish. They're even more prevalent than they are here in the U.S. So yeah, there's a, there's a great need for co-ops. So. We don't have very much more time, so what would you like to leave people with? Uh, before that, can you tell me, what are the challenges of food co-ops?
2: <laughs>
0: and you said we don't have
2: very much time. To... I know. Okay. The challenge is the huge amount of competition in the we natural about food the competition side, okay. in particular. The cost of starting a new business is high. Co-ops are pretty high tech these days. I mean, food co-ops, co-ops. and grocery stores. So there's a, it's a high cost to get started. You have to raise that money without turning to investors of the typical kind.
0: So we're, we've got to close out with that. I'm sorry. So everybody out there, please have a great week, and please live cooperatively. Thanks, Vernon. Thank you. Washington, D.C. News Talk, 1450 AM, WON at 95.9 FM.